Let's jump into the Word today. We started a brand new series last week called Breaking Free. Breaking Free. And it's kind of centered around the seven deadly sins. And so we're going to get into that in a moment. But before we do, let me ask you a question. How many of you guys have ever seen a wet paint sign on an object, whether it was, you know, a, a door or a bench or something like that, you've seen that wet paint sign on something. Have you ever seen that before? There it is right there, wet paint. Let me ask you this. How many of you guys would touch the bench because it had the sign? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, tell the truth, shame the devil. Amen. You know you would. You know, there's actually something called a wet paint syndrome. It's a wet paint syndrome. It's something to where you see the sign, wet paint, don't touch, stay away. But there's something inside of you that just instinctively wants to do what? You want to touch it. Now, now you know if it's wet, it's going to be all on your hands. It's pro- Look, that's bright yellow. It's probably going to be on your clothes. It's not going to wash out. But there's something inside of you that just has to touch it. What is that? It's almost like a butterfly. How many of you ever seen a butterfly just kind of flying around, minding its own business, and gets trapped in a spider web? How many of you, you, you ever seen that before? Like this butterfly flying around, gets trapped in a spider web, and all of the ladies are like, oh my God, the spider is going to kill it. And, and, and what happens? The butterfly, what? Frees itself. And you're like, praise Jesus. And there's that rejoicing moment, right? Only to find the butterfly, what? Boom! Right back into the web. And all of you ladies are like, he's just going to die this time. Amen? What, what is it? It's the wet paint syndrome. It's, it's, it's hey, I know I shouldn't do it. I know there's going to be a little collateral damage, going to be a little pain on me. But there's something inside of me that just has to touch it. I begin to think about that and kind of reminds us of us. It's kind of like our story, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's things in life that we know we, we shouldn't get into. We shouldn't be a part of it. We shouldn't look at it. We shouldn't touch it. We shouldn't do it. But this, it's this, that syndrome that comes out and we get involved in it. We get trapped in this cycle of sin and sin is serious. But it's in that moment that we have that, that kind of prodigal son moment. We kind of come to ourselves, and, and, and something happens. It could be an encounter with God. Maybe we hear a sermon. Maybe we get conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and so we, we, we get out of that trap. And, and, and Galatians 5.1 is running through our mind in that moment where Christ has set us free. So don't get entangled in sin anymore. But, but that syndrome kicks in. And we wind right back in to the sin we got out of. And there's that cycle. And you ask yourself, man, why is that? Well, Proverbs chapter 26, 11, very graphic scripture. It says, hey, as a dog returns to his vomit, so fools repeat their folly. It's that wet paint syndrome. It's, It's constantly getting caught back into things that we know we shouldn't be in. We get out of it only to get right back in it. There's the warning signs. There's signs everywhere, but I keep wanting to get back in it. But you understand that life does not have to be that way. You don't have to be a slave to sin. We can break free. And that's what this series that we're in is all about. It's about breaking 
free. And we're talking about the seven deadly sins. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've heard that phrase before. Or maybe you're here today watching online and maybe you've never heard of that. You're like, Wait, what, what does that mean? Where did it come from? Well, actually, you have to back all the way back to the 4th century. There's a 4th century monk by the name of Evagoras Ponticus. And he wrote a list of the most common sins that he saw, not in public, not among everybody else, but some of the sins he saw among the fellow monks. Like the gentlemen that had dedicated their lives to God. And these were the things that he just saw over and over and over in their lives. And so he wrote these seven things out. And so other than some wordsmithing, the same list still applies today. The seven deadly sins. What are they? They're pride, greed, envy, wrath, lust, gluttony, sloth, or laziness. Kind of go hand in hand. Those are the seven and as I just talked about that, as I listed those seven, I think it's, it's fair to say that each and every one of us in here have dealt with one or more of those sins, and maybe we're dealing with them now. And so last week we started this series off, Pastor Andy was here with you guys, and he started talking about pride. And really, when you look at the seven deadly sins, pride is kind of the origin of all the other sins, if you will. So if, you, if you're prideful, of course you're going to be greedy. Of course you're going to envy. Of course you're going to lust after things because you're so full of yourself. It's, it's pride. That's, that's the starting point. It's kind of like 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where the Apostle Paul is talking about the characteristics of people in the last days. And he gives this laundry list of things, but it all starts with one, lovers of self. Lovers of self. One theologian said, lovers of self is the sewer pipe in which all the other garbage flows. And so it is with pride. And so that's why we started off last week with pride. That's kind of the big one. Today, we want to talk about gluttony. Come on, gluttony. And what's interesting about gluttony is that when you, when you look at this list of seven things, you're like, man, of course pride is wrong. Yes, of course envy and wrath is wrong. Yes, but gluttony... That's kind of the one we just push off to the side. We just kind of, it's no big deal. Matter of fact, we laugh about it. You know, the Bible says I need to buffet my body. Amen. So we, we have that little joke going around. We get out going to the store at a buffet bar. And what do you say? Somebody about to lose money on me today. Amen. So we, we do that. But here's the thing. When we think of gluttony, we only think of food. We think that gluttony only deals with overeating, but... That's really only part of it. See, the word gluttony itself, it is an overindulgence in food, drink, or wealth items, especially as status tokens. Matter of fact, the word gluttony in Latin means to gulp. To gulp something in. So there's this overindulgence of really anything in life. Anything that's kind of unhealthy for you. It's that overindulgence in it. And really if you look at gluttony, it could be tied hand in hand with addiction. With addiction. That's the wet paint syndrome, right? You, you get involved with something. You know you shouldn't be there. You know you shouldn't touch it. You're in it. You get freed from it. Only to what? Go back. And touch it again. It's, it's that overindulgent, that gluttony, that addiction. But here's what we need to understand is that the Bible treats gluttony very serious. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 20 and 21. 
It says, do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat for drunkards and what? Gluttons. Become what? Poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. That same chapter, Proverbs 23, if you back up to verse 2, it says, put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Turn to somebody and say, that's pretty extreme. That's pretty extreme. Put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. But what I want you to see is that this thing called gluttony, these addictions, this, this, this over-stimulus, over-indulgence of these things is not something to be laughed at. It's not something to shrug off. It's something to literally break free from. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to give you some steps today. And these steps kind of build one on the other. There's a lot of steps, but they all build on each other. But I want to give you some steps on how to break free from addiction, from gluttony in your life. So if you're taking notes, here it starts. It starts with one thing. Number one, we've got to start today. Start today. Turn to somebody and say today. You've got to make a decision. Today's today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not after the holidays. Today. How many of you have ever noticed a diet starting on the same day? Come on, anybody ever notice that? You wake up talking about I'm going on a diet and somebody's bringing pizza to the job site. Somebody's bringing donuts. Somebody, come on, is bringing some Bernie's. Come on, somebody. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit just exploded in your mouth. Amen. Somebody's bringing the pastries and the donuts and you're like, well, I'm going to start tomorrow. But hear me today, guys. In order to break free, you have to make the decision to start today. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Come on, how many of you can agree with that statement right there? So let me ask you a question today, guys. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? These areas in your life, this wet paint syndrome, these areas where you know you shouldn't be involved in, you, you, you're kind of over here and you're over there and there's this overindulgence in your life, possibly an addiction in your life. What are you waiting for? Like make the decision to deal with it today because here's the thing, people who really won't change find a way, people who don't find an excuse. Like, I just dropped the mic on you right there. People who really won't change in their heart and in their life, they're going to what? They're going to find a way. The people that don't are always going to find an excuse. So you have to be willing to make the decision, today's the day. But then here's the second step. You've got to stop blaming others. Stop blaming others. Once you make that decision, stop playing the blame game. Like, stop pointing the finger and pull the thumb. Take responsibility for your own actions. And that's hard to do, right? Because the whole blame game scenario started all the way back in Genesis. Come on, how many of you remember Adam and Eve? Adam walking around talking about, I'm hungry. Why are you not feeding me? Where are you at, girl? Eve finally just got tired, pulled some fruit and said, take a bite of that, big boy. So that's how it all started. Not really, but that's my version. So that's how it started. He's eating the fruit, and immediately they realize something happened. Adam takes it like a man, and what does he do? He starts blaming Eve. Like, it's your fault. Then he shifts the blame from Eve to God. Like, God, the woman you gave me. 
Like, I didn't tell you to put me asleep and pull that rib out of my side. You gave me the woman. It's the blame game, and it happens all of the time. But you have to realize that your life is never going to get any better until you take personal responsibility for your actions. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. Some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions and then blame the Lord. It's like we do things that are crazy. We do things we shouldn't, but then we want to blame God. So let me ask you another question today. Who are you blaming for your own problems? Is it your parents? Is it your spouse? Is it the teacher's fault? Is it the kid's fault? Is it your boss's fault? Is it the devil made me do it? Is it God made me do it? Hear me today. Freedom is a choice. And we all have a choice to make. In this thing called life. And the choice that we make is going to help us to stay in bondage or to break free from the bondage that we're in. So you got to be willing to start today. Make a decision. This thing in my life has held me long enough. I'm going to start today. I'm going to stop blaming other people. But then I need to do an examination of my life. I need to examine my life. That's the third step. So I've got to take personal inventory. Like, what are my weaknesses? What are, where am I tempted the most at? What are my fears? What are my frustrations? Lamentations chapter 3, verse 40 says, Let us examine our ways and test them and return to the Lord. If you really want change in your life, you have to stop pretending. Like, you've got a problem in this area of your life, but you're pretending everything is all right. You know you're tempted in this area. You know you're, you're giving in this area. You've got to be honest about that. Because listen, every time you try to cover that, hiding things only intensifies it. But when you bring it into the light, that's when healing can take place. Psalms chapter 32, verse 3, and then down in verse 5, it says, When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. Then I confessed my sins to the Lord and didn't hide my guilt. I said, I will confess my sins to the Lord. And as a result, what happened? You forgave my guilt. Have you ever noticed that guilt is associated with the appetite? Guilt is associated with that unhealthy appetite. That that thing you shouldn't touch. That thing you shouldn't look at. That thing you shouldn't get involved in. And then when you do get involved in it, the guilt far outweighs the appetite. And you're sitting there with all of this guilt and you don't know what to do with it. But listen to me. Whatever it is, confess it to God and He can remove it. So you've got to evaluate regularly. Am I slipping here? Am I doing okay there? And here's what happens. When you start examining yourself, you come to the realization that you need a power greater than yours in order to break free. So this leads to the fourth step, and that is the most important step, and that is to ask Christ to take over my life. I have to ask Christ to take over my life. I need a power greater than mine to bring about change. And the Apostle Paul, he he dealt with this. He says, I've got a desire to do good, but I don't have the power. Notice in Romans, Paul is talking about this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And it's almost like two bulldogs fighting in your chest. And the one you feed is the one that wins. And so you're sitting there and Paul's like, man, I want to do good. But every time I want to do good, I wind up doing bad. 
I want to go left, but every time I try to go left, I go right. And so there's this, there's this dilemma in realizing that I've got to have a power greater than mine to break free. So once I make a decision, hey, I'm dealing with this area of my life. I'm tired of being in bondage. I'm not going to blame anybody. Once I start examining my life, it leads me to the place where I realize, God, I need you. I need you. I need your power. Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. Watch what Paul said. Don't let sin control your body any longer. Don't give in to its sinful desires. But give yourself. What does that word say? Completely. One more time. Give yourself completely to God. Not like half. Not a quarter. Completely. Every part of you to be used for His good purposes. You understand that the solution to a destructive appetite is choosing the right master. Choosing the right master. Every single one of us in here and watching online, we are controlled by something. You're controlled by something every day. Whether it's people, time, schedules, current pressures. It could be drugs, alcohol. It could be food. It could be anything. And so Paul is saying, instead of choosing something destructive, why don't you choose a God that loves you and cares for you? A God that knows the end from the beginning, the beginning to the end. A God that can help you and give you the power you need to break free. We've got to be willing to choose God. But you've got to give yourself completely. It's hard for some people because some people come to God and they're like, okay, I don't mind giving God my problems, but I want to keep my life. Like you do you, I'm going to do me. God, if you can just help me because I got a problem over here, I've got this I'm dealing with. So if you can just help me over here, but I want to still do what I want to do. And then some people have no problem giving God their life, but there's certain areas of their life they don't want God in. So it's God, yeah, I'll do the church thing, and I'll read a little bit, but I've got this thing over here I'm working with, this this little syndrome, I'm going to handle this on my own. But God said, listen, if you want freedom, you've got to give your life completely to Him. You've got to turn management over to Him. And He gives the power in your life to produce the change that you need. So give him control. If you want freedom, you got to give him control. So what do we do? We've got to make the decision. I'm starting today. We've got to stop pointing the finger and pull the thumb. We've got to examine our life. Upon examining our lives, I realize, God, I can't do this without you. I need a power source in me greater than myself. So I'm going to give my life to God. The next step is to avoid temptation. Keep away from temptation. That's common sense, right? Like avoid the situations where you're tempted at. You know where you're weak. You know where you're falling short. You know where you're kind of coming up where you're, you're not really what you need to be. Avoid the tempting situations. Romans 13, 14. Don't give any chances to the flesh to have its fling. I love that translation. Don't give any chances to the flesh to have its fling. Don't put yourself in tempting situations. So if you have a drinking problem, don't stock your home with alcohol. If you have a junk food weakness, don't stuff cases of Twinkies under your bed. Just don't do it. Where are you tempted? Proverbs 24, 27. Plan carefully what you do. Avoid evil. 
avoid evil. And listen, the key to avoiding temptation is you have to be willing to decide in advance. Decide in advance. You have to have that Daniel spirit upon you. When you read in the book of Daniel, there was a time where King Nebuchadnezzar came into Jerusalem and he invaded it, took over it, and took a lot of the people of Jerusalem back to Babylon. Then he chooses kind of the best and the brightest of those people. Daniel was in that group and he started changing them. He changed their names. He changed their education. He changed their wardrobe. He started to change their food and the drink they were drinking. And it was in this moment in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Daniel did something. It says, but Daniel, what did he do? He made up his mind. He made up his mind not to eat the food and wine that was given to him by the king. So you know what Daniel did? Daniel pre-decided and God provided. Daniel predecided, God provided. Don't wait until you're sitting at the bar talking about, do I really want to drink? Don't wait till you're sitting in the back seat with somebody talking about, do I really want to go this far? Man, I remember when Samantha was growing up, and I gave her, we went to the Mudcats game, and I bought one of them little bats. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Them look about 18 inches. I said, baby girl, listen to me. When you go out on a date, you're going to carry this bat with you. And you know what? From the chest to the weight is a no-fly zone, girl. Amen? Like no fly. So if you get with a boy and them hands starting to lose a little attitude, you just pull that bat out and just bam, one time on that hand. Let me tell you, he won't touch you ever again. Amen? So you've got to pre-decide those situations in your life, those areas where you know you're tempted, those areas where, man, I know I shouldn't do this. You've got to pre-decide. I'm not going there. That's not pleasing to God. That's not helpful for me. You've got to pre-determine the priorities because if you don't, the pressure will determine it for you. See, the problem is the Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee. So here's the problem, right? We flee the devil, but we leave the forwarding address. And so he's all the time coming at us. So you've got to be willing to avoid temptation. Here's another step in helping you to do that. You have to be willing to refocus. Number six, refocus. Turn to somebody and say, refocus. Come on, look at them and say, get you some glasses. Amen? Refocus. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Have you ever noticed that every battle we fight, where does it start? In the mind. You know why that is? Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3. You know, God said, hey, all these trees, all this fruit, you can eat it. But this one right here, leave it alone. And the enemy came in. And what did he say to Eve? Notice where it always starts. Hey, girl, did God really say all that? Did he say you couldn't eat of that tree? It always starts with a thought. The battle always starts in your mind. That's why Paul said, every thought that comes into your mind, you've got to take it captive. Take it captive. So why? Because whatever captures my attention captures me. So take that thought captive. It's kind of like Misty and every once in a while she'll cook some homemade chocolate chip cookies. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that's a wet paint sign right there for me? Homemade chocolate chip cookies. She'll pull them out of the oven. She'll put them on the, you know, put them on top and just kind of let them cool. And all of a sudden, here comes my youngest Aiden. 
I see the top of his head busting around the corner. He's just walking around looking, smelling. And I'll get up and I'm saying, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Nothing. No, just, just, just looking. I'm like, look, they're hot. You can't have them right now. You got to eat supper first. Leave them alone. And he's still just walking around. Ain't no telling what's going on in that mind. You give him about 30 minutes. You leave him alone. You come back. There is one cookie left on the tray. You go to his bedroom with chocolate hanging out of his mouth, and you ask him, did you eat the cookies? I ain't eat them cookies, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Come on. When you put yourself in that situation, and that's all you're thinking about, your actions will follow your thoughts. Thoughts. It's in your mind. The key to resisting temptation is not only to resist it, but to refocus. If you sit there and talk about, well, I don't want it, I don't want it, I don't want it. How many of you know everything in you is screaming to take it? So how many of you know you've got to be willing to replace that thought with something else? It's kind of like going on a diet. Anybody other than here? Have you ever gone on a diet before? Anybody online raising your hands? Thank you for being honest. The rest of you, I don't know. But you've gone on that diet. As long as you think about your diet, what are you thinking about? Food. I remember Missy and I, as a church, we went on a 21-day fast. And man, for some reason, it was just really, really difficult for me during that time because every time I turned the TV on, all I saw was pizza. Like the, the pan was coming out. The steam was rolling off. And I'm like on 21 days of fasting. I, look, dude, ain't but so many pieces of broccoli you can eat. Come on, somebody. And I'm sitting there and I'm dreaming of pizza. I'm thinking about pizza. I woke up one night about to choke because I dreamed I was stuffing pizza in my mouth. I woke up to only find my pillowcase in my mouth. Come on, what you focus on, what captures your attention, captures you. So you've got to refocus. How do I do that? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Think about these things. What are these things? Things that are good, worthy of praise. Think about things that are true, honorable, right, pure, beautiful, and respected. As long as you sit there and think to yourself, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to get rid of that. You can get rid of it, but like a boomerang that's coming right back. So you've got to replace that thought with another thought. What do I replace it with? I've got to replace it with God's Word. If you sit there and say, you know what, I'm not going to drink that. I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to give in to that sexual desire. I'm not going to do that. Listen, that's the wrong way to fight it. You've got to be willing to take that thought captive, put it out, and put God's Word in your mind. Because when you've got the Word of God in your mind, the Bible says when you know the truth, what does it do? It sets you free. So start today. Make the decision. Stop blaming others. Examine your life. And upon that examination, you realize you need God to take over your life. Keep away from temptation. Refocus. Here's the seventh one. You got to be accountable. You got to be accountable. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. Two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. What's Solomon talking about? He's talking about something called the law of diminishing intent. 
The law of diminishing intent. What does that law say? That law is saying the longer you wait to do something you know you should do, the less likely you're going to do it. So it's like starting the year off right. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going you know, to do this. I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to do this. But if you're sitting there all by yourself trying to do it, then more than likely you're not going to do it. That's why you got to have people around you. That's why you see so many times you, you make that decision. You realize, man, I need God in on this. And God shows up. He gives you the power. And then you start doing good. Everything's working out for a little bit. But you don't have anybody. It's just you. And then you start getting full of pride. Well, I don't need anybody. I got this. And then you fall right back into that cycle again. you got to have people in your life. People that surround you. People that are willing to pray with you and help you. People that are willing to call you out when that law starts kicking into your life. When you make a decision and say, you know what, man, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to read the word. I'm going to get involved in growth track. I'm going to get involved in a bridge group. I'm going to get involved in all this. When you make that decision and you got people around you that can hold you accountable, you're more likely to follow through with it than when you're trying to do it by yourself you got to have these people around you. James chapter 5, verse 16. This is a verse we don't like to talk about. Confess your sins to who? Each other. Turn to somebody and say, you got to be kidding me. Is that really what it says? Like, I'm not confessing anything to anybody. Like, I'm like the woman at the well. When she went back into the town and said, come meet a man who told me all about myself. What did he tell you? Ain't none of your business. Just come meet the man. And so we have that attitude, but listen, if you want the latter part of that verse to be a reality in your life, pray for each other so that you may be healed. That's healed emotionally. That's healed whole and healthy in your life. If you want to break the grip of destructive appetites, how do you do it? By having people around you that can hold you accountable for your actions. Yes, you confess to God. Yes, you get into God's Word. But you've got to have people around you. That can help you. People around you that can speak into your life. And that's the price of freedom. you got to be willing to do that. As long as you feel like you can just do it all by yourself. What They talked about that last week. It's, it's I can do this on my own. You, you portray that image of perfection. And then you'll just go right on struggling on the inside. you got to have somebody you can open up to. Somebody that you can share your life with. you got to find support and accountability. A place where you can come in and say, man, I've had a tough week. I blew it with my kids this week. I blew it with my wife. I said something I shouldn't have said. And then somebody else in the group can speak up and say, man, you know what? I've been there too. Somebody else speaks up and says, you know what? I did that. Here's what I did to help get free. And it's, it's just that accountability of having people in your life all the time. Listen, revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. Some say, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not doing that. Well, good. Keep on struggling. You need a community. You need a group. You need people you can trust. People that love you. People that care about you. That you can open up to and share what's going on in your life. If not, you're going to be like a pressure cooker. How many of you remember the pressure cooker days? I remember my mom used to cook in a pressure cooker all the time. Put a little water in the bottle, put some meat in it, and that little knob. Come on, how many of you remember that? So for some of you... 
if you don't get some relief, that little knob, it's going to blow off and you're going to explode on somebody and there's collateral damage everywhere. You got to have that outlet. You got to be willing to have somebody in your life that you can open up to. So again, let's look at these steps. I've got one more. Start today. Not tomorrow, today. Stop blaming other people. Examine your life. And when you do that, you realize, I need Jesus Christ. Keep away from temptation. Refocus. Get some accountability in your life. Here's the last one. And at that point, you got to extend yourself to others. Extend myself to others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles, so what? We can comfort those in any trouble, any trouble, with the same comfort we ourselves received from God. Can I help you with something? God never wastes a hurt. Let me say that again. God will never waste a hurt. He gives us comfort. He draws us into himself so that we can in turn turn around and help somebody else. Hear me. God wants to take your greatest weakness, that thing that you're most embarrassed by, the thing you're most ashamed of, that thing, that area of your life you don't want anybody to know about, and he wants to take that and make that into your ministry. Where your misery becomes your ministry. He wants to help you through that. He wants you to help, help you to overcome that, to get victory over it, but then to give you a ministry where you can help other people. Some of the greatest people who are addicted to drugs and they get freed and they get, uh, you know, break free from that addiction, break free from alcohol, break free from porn, break free from all of these things, they're some of the best people that can help you if you're in it. Because they understand the temptation. They understand where you're at. They understand what you're going through. They understand the pull. They do. They're some of the best people that can help. But they themselves have to get free. There's so many times in life we discredit ourselves, right? We look at our lives and we say, well, man, God can never use me and This will never happen and that will never happen. Listen, did you mess up? Absolutely. Did you have that syndrome going? Absolutely. But God has walked you through the steps. He's walked you through the process. You're free. You're healed. You're in a place now to where that stuff is not a temptation anymore. Then you can turn around and help somebody else. Man, think about it. Think about when you were in that cycle... How you desperately wanted somebody to come and help you. You were in the cycle. You were the butterfly, right? You you were just kind of minding your own business. You were going through life. You didn't... Man, nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to trash my life. I'm going to wake up one day and I'm going to be an addict. Nobody does that. Just going through life. Something happened and you wound up in a web. And you broke free. But you found yourself right back in it. And it was in that cycle, in that vicious cycle, that you were praying, God, please, man, I need somebody that can help me. 
And for some of you, God sent the right person in your life. And now you're free. Now you're whole. Guess what? Now it's time for you to, in turn, pour into somebody else. We've been in growth track here at the church. Tonight is our last night of what we're calling our, our 102 segment. And then starting in October, we start our 103 segment. Let me encourage you, in September, you'll have an opportunity to sign up for that. We meet right in here, all the adults, we meet right in here. Every Sunday night, starting in October, it'll be about eight weeks long, nine weeks long, but we meet right in here, and we just talk through life, talk about how do you grow up into parenthood as a Christian. You got to have somebody. There's some of you in the house right now, you've been saved a long time. Man, praise God for you. My question to you, though, is going to be a little pointed, is why are you just sitting there? Why have you not invested the things that God has given to you into other people? That's, that's, that's strong, right? That's pointed, yes. God needs you. He's not wasting the hurts and the pain that you've been through. He's going to turn that thing around and use it for your ministry. So where are you at today in, in, this, in this spectrum? Where, where are you at? Because listen, God can give you the victory. He can help you to break free. And matter of fact, when you have these steps operating in your life, look at the promise of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, God is faithful. I mean, you know God is faithful. He's faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also do what? Provide a way out so that you can endure it. You need that. God can help you with that. That, that syndrome. Wanting to touch. Wanting to get in that web. Get involved. It's, it's that gluttony. That addiction. Hand in hand. It's not just about the buffet. It's not just about the food. It's that overindulgence in those unhealthy appetites that come from our flesh. And God said, we got to break free from that. you got to break free. you got to stop going back into the web. you got to take these steps to get you there. So I don't know where you guys are today, but I want to encourage you right there, watching online, right here in the house. It starts with a decision. Stand with me all over the house. It starts with the decision. You've got to decide. Today's the day. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not after the holidays. You've got to decide, I'm starting today. This area in my life, this thing that I've been dealing with, I'm starting today. I'm not blaming anybody. These are some of the choices that I've made. This is some of the stuff that I've done. I'm pulling the thumb. I'm not pointing the finger. I'm making the decision. I'm not blaming. I'm going to examine my life. I know I'm tempted in this area. I know I'm good here. But this area here, that's a wet paint sign. But God, I need your help. I need power greater than me to not touch it.
And so, Lord, once you give me that power and that relationship, God, then I'm going to keep away from these areas. I'm going to put up some boundaries. I, even if i got to carry a little bat with me somewhere, I'm putting up some boundaries. I'm not going into that area. I'm not clicking on that site. I'm not looking at that. I'm not talking to that. I'm not doing that. I've got boundaries here. I'm refocusing my mind on His Word. Because this is where the battle's fought. I'm refocused on His Word. And I've got some people that are holding me accountable. People that'll call me out when I'm not doing right. I've got a guy that I don't mind. He knows everything about me and he can call me out. I'll call him on the phone. I'll talk to him. And I don't know what it is about that guy. He said, man, you been reading your Bible lately? So here lately, man, I'm like, and and again, I'm in that word every day. I'm in that word. I'm in that devotion. I'm praying, and he'll call me, and he'll say, hey, what's God speaking to you? How many of you know if you're not reading the word, you can babble something, but he'll call you out. You need that kind of person in your life that can be there. Hey, man, Brian, what are you reading? Hey, man, when's the last time you went on a date with your wife? Come on. Hey, when's the last time you prayed with your kids? You know, it's, and Brian does that. I'm not worried about it. I'm using that as an example. But you need somebody like that. When's the last time you cooked my man's fried chicken? Holla. Amen. I mean, you, you, <laughs> Jeremy, you need that. You need that. You've got to be accountable. And in the middle of that accountability, God is working. He's moving. And then all of a sudden, He's going to bring somebody into your path that's going to have the same problem you had. And you're going to say, hey, man, let me tell you what I did when I was there. Let me take you by the hand and help you. Those are the steps. They build on one another. You've got to have them in your life. Guys, this is a battle. You used to hear the old timers say, man, this is war. This is, this is the battle that we're in. This is a battle we're fighting. You, you, you can't let your guard down. You can't, you, you can't do that. You've got to have it around you. You've got to have the boundaries. You, you've got to have all of that. Because this is war. And at the end of the day, I don't want to be sitting on a bench this wet. I want to avoid it. So, Father, thank you for moments like this. Thank you for this time to be able to come into your house. It's time to be able to hear from you. Lord, here we are. We're vulnerable. And we're opening up our hearts and our lives to you today. And we're giving you everything. you bow your heads with me all over the house today is the day to go all in God I'm going to give myself to you completely there's no halfway doing it anymore there's no no being a full time something and a part time Christian nope nope those days are gone it's going completely in and if that describes you in the house today would you just be willing to slip up a hand and say pastor pray for me Seize the hands, seize the hands, seize the hands, seize the hands. Maybe today is the day that you make that decision because it starts with a decision. Pastor, I'm making a decision today.
to go all in for Jesus Christ. I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to give him my heart. For those of you watching online, this is for you. I'm giving him everything I've got. And if that describes you, and you mean business with God, this is your moment right now. Would you just be willing to slip a hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to go in. If you're online and you mean business with God, He means business with you. Won't you put in the chat box right now? I'm ready to go all in. Pastor, pray with me. Pray for me. Help me. Father, in the name of Jesus, you saw all of the hands that were raised in the house. You saw the hearts and souls of those that are watching online. And so, God, right now, I pray we make the decision today to go all in. As we thank you, Lord, for what you did for us at Calvary. A moment of reflection to say, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being there. Thank you for for helping me. Thank you for not leaving me. Thank you for giving me hope. And a moment of celebration to say, Father, thank you for the blood. For saving my soul. Jesus, give us a great week this week. Help us, Lord to take the steps. Help us to be accountable. Help us, God, to get people around us that can speak into our yes, we need you. Yes, we're going after you. Yes, we're getting in your word. Yes, we're praying. But God, put people around us that'll be intentional to help call us out when we're wrong. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house, guys.